lift up a Lord Jesus this morning that is filled with the feeling of our infirmities. We want to lift up the Lord Jesus this morning that has compassion on every area of our life and he careth for you. Amen. I have a word this morning. It's uh, I, I delivered part of it Wednesday night or Sunday morning. I don't remember. But I got this last Sunday and it just I don't know why you would get a word on one Sunday and uh, it would work the next, but that's what we're going to do. The Lord told me to discern your season so that you'll be in the right place for every one of them. So point to yourself with me and say, hey, you discern your season and be in it. He said to be ready for promotion. Back to this again. Hey, you be ready for promotion for increase, for more, this year, beginning right now. Yay. I don't know if it's in this room or if it's on broadcast, but he said there would be job, a job, your job would be restored. And I had the implication there that somebody had lost their job and it was wrong, it was not right, but that God is the justifier of the unright. I said he, he straightens up stuff that's crooked. Praise God. And not only was he going to restore that job, he was going to increase that position. So what the devil meant for evil, God turned it for good. Amen. So praise God. I think we'll do some more later, but uh, Jesus is wonderful. Praise God. So I want to uh, lift up the Lord Jesus this morning that has a fresh word for you. No matter if we preach the same message Sunday and Wednesday, Sunday and Wednesday, Sunday and Wednesday. Same message. You and I get something new every time because Holy Ghost is speaking to us about the times of our life. So if you would, would you turn in your Bible with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. I want to minister to you this morning on arriving and departing, entering and departing. It's a principle in the kingdom and we operate by principles whether you know it or not or believe it or not. Even if you say, I don't believe we operate by principles, right there, you're operating by a principle. Hallelujah. And uh, the principle of unbelief will get you in a worse place than you're at. Hallelujah. So in Ephesians chapter 4, we're talking about entering and departing. What has that got to do with anything? Do you all know we do it every day in every way? Why, this, even this morning, you entered into this building... And uh, I'm pretty sure by lunchtime, y'all will be trying to depart. Hallelujah. And I'll see that. I'll discern that. And we'll, we'll pull it together. Hallelujah. It says in chapter 4, verse 15, But speaking the truth in love, so the but there is tying together all the verses that are before it. He said, but speaking the truth in love, what are we doing here, Paul? May grow up into him in all things. Would you say that with me? may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. May grow up. May grow up. So where you are isn't where you're supposed to be tomorrow. And that doesn't mean going backwards. We're talking about we're to grow up. Aren't you glad that your children grew up? Y'all say amen, because we're real glad they're, they're growing up, that they're increasing, that, the, that there's a path that they're on. And, and that's how you got there. None of us were hatched. Uh, none of us were just dropped off. We all were undeveloped, full of everything, complete in Christ, but we had to grow up. A baby has just as many bones as you and I do. 
but they're just small. Has just as many muscles, but they're relatively undeveloped. But we grow up. Well, the word says we should grow up in him. So that means that you hadn't arrived. Are we here? We have not arrived. Why? When will we arrive? Well, even in heaven, you're going to be studying the word of God. It's not that cloud floating in that cherub singing and stuff. We will be in class. And if you didn't do anything on earth, you'll be at the back of the class, the back of a kindergarten class. But if you increase now, you'll have you'll you'll have a, a place in a position. Slip right there and slip over to the right to Colossians chapter one. I want to look at this morning about growing up and entering and departing that. That's how we grow up. I said, that's how we grow up. Colossians chapter one. Let's look in verse nine for this cause. So again, verse one through eight, he's talking about something. And he says, for this, for what we just talked about, we also, since the day we heard of it, do, ne- do not cease to pray for you. What are you praying for us for, Paul? And to desire that ye might be filled. Here's, here it is. Of all the things that Paul could pray for us, he prayed that we'd be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. How many of y'all would say that was important? To be filled with the knowledge of his will that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Well, right there, it just tells you that that we're not we're not maxing out our potential, that every day we get up and there's potential for that day. Now, you can mess it up. You can sleep in all day and unless your potential is being developed to get more sleep. You're going to miss something in that day. So it's talking about growing up changing, transitioning. Slip up to Hebrews chapter six, filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Hebrews chapter six. Got a few scriptures this morning. Let's look in Hebrews chapter six. Let's look in verse one. Talking about growing up, talking about arriving. And how we never arrive at the end, we just arrive at a new level of growth. Chapter 1, 6, verse 1 says, therefore, so there we have one of those words. It's tying together everything in chapter 5. Therefore, leaving the principles, the principles, the basics of the doctrine of Christ, what should we do? Let us go on unto perfection. Say completion. Perfection, not laying again the foundation, and he goes through a bunch of, uh, he goes through six foundation things, including uh, uh, repentance from dead works, faith towards God, and on and on. But what I want to look here, he says, let us go on unto perfection or completion. Sounds like grow up. Sounds like being filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So so we, we need to be involved in whatever it requires. To grow up. Uh, if you've ever been to Wendy's house, uh, we call it Plastic City. I'm going to step over there, but I'll step back. Hallelujah. There's more ways to grow up over there for a two-year than you can shake a stick at. When we lived in Trustville a number of years ago when we first moved to Alabama, I called my neighbor Plastic City because he had two young children, and plastic was everywhere. A plastic slide, a plastic to go up, and a plastic thing to go down, and to drive, and to run around, and everything. But it's all necessary to grow up. Then when they get old enough, or you get tired enough, 
They go off to kindergarten or pre-K or pre-three or pre-two or, you know, pre-childbirth, whatever, you know, whatever your tolerance is and however much money you have. But we put them there. We do that to put them in a regimen of growing up. We don't, we, as precious as they are, we're not happy with them staying the same. Would that be right? We love five-year-old kids, but we can't wait till six. Right now, Trace is fixing to be two. It's the tremendous twos is what I'm saying. Hallelujah. So we're all growing up. We're all infants or middle age or adolescents or middle age or mature, what the word calls elders. We're all in a stage of maturity, spiritual maturity. Now, if we had to identify ourselves, what, what we were, we'd all probably give ourselves a higher grade than what the Lord would. But that's good. That's faith. We're, we're calling things that be not. The Amplified Version says, Therefore, let us go on and get past the elementary stage in the teachings and doctrine of Christ. Let us grow up and get past the elementary part of Christianity. Do you all know there's elementary part? You can read it right there in uh, chapter 6. And he talks about the six basic doctrines that we all should be masters of. As a matter of fact, I believe I'll go back there and read them. Uh, it says in verse 1, repentance from dead works. We should be masters of repentance from dead works. Do you all know there's Christians that have been Christians for 40 years that have got very little knowledge and understanding of repentance from dead works? All right, I will go on. Faith towards God. That's an elementary, that's a kindergarten principle and doctrine in the kingdom. It says so right there in the Bible, doesn't it? And he says of the doctrine of baptisms. There's lots of baptisms in the Bible. Uh, I wish I'd looked it up, but I think there's seven baptisms. There's several anyway. Uh, the doctrine of laying on of hands. Elementary. We should master that one. Uh, and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. He said that's the basic stuff. I bet y'all didn't think that was all that basic before you read this passage. You and I would have picked something else. But he said that's the stuff we should all master. So before we can grow up, before we can graduate from the seventh grade to the eighth grade, we have to pass the test or complete the qualifications to, to go into the eighth grade. And in the kingdom, you wonder sometimes, why, why is this not happening in my life? Why are things not progressing like it is for over here? Part of it is growing up, being filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, increasing in the knowledge of God. We're growing up because we're learning, we're understanding. We have understanding of revelation. It's not just what you understand in the head, what you compile here in information, but it's what you have down here. Just like Melissa said, it's what becomes real. It's what becomes a persuasion or a conviction down here. Once you landmark that, once you say, I got it, we could say the tithe, but there's a lot of things. Forgiveness is another. I mean, if you're having a belly fit over somebody that uh, turned in front of you or someone that took your pencil and gave you a uh, one without an eraser back and you're just, that's controlling your day, you didn't grow up somewhere because we're Christians. If you can't forgive, if you can't get along, if you can't give, God loves you. Going straight to heaven. Going to a glorious entry into heaven. But there won't be much reward because you didn't grow up. Now, if you're newborn, you just got saved yesterday, then you don't know these things. But your job is to know these things. And our job is 
Older is to help them know their things, these things. We're to disciple one another. Don't you disciple your children? If you don't, we can tell it. We, we, we've, we've already earmarked those parents that are saying, ah, let them just do what they want to. They are. They sure are. Um, the, the New Living said, let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. That's a grow up, isn't it? The Weast says, let us be carried along to that which is complete. So everything in the Word's telling us, don't arrive. Just keep going. Just keep going. Get to mile eight and just go to mile nine. That's what I do all the time. Just go to mile nine and ten. and I drive by and then I slow down for stop signs. Praise God. So uh, God is our tutor. Jesus is our tutor, our master teacher. He, by Holy Spirit inside of us, Holy Spirit leads us to the scriptures, to the principles, to the, to the, the laws of the kingdom so that we understand. If you don't understand giving and you just say, I'm not giving my money to God, he's got plenty. Well, you don't understand the principle. Isn't there a principle out? Seed time and harvest. If you don't know that, you're always going to be on the short side of harvest. It's always going to be hard for you. It's always going to be like, I love God with all my heart. But if you don't have a flow of giving, not just money, but giving of your time, giving of your affections, giving of your emotions, if you're not just an island, but you're giving out, well, then you'll have understanding. But if not, it's going to be hard for you. So let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Are you all okay? Okay, we're growing up. Now I'll tell you for an example. This is just an example. When you first uh, came to a church like this or this church, and you'd been in a church that had 20-minute sermons, 25, uh, my pastor, when I was growing up, said sermonettes make Christianettes. And he, of course, he was, he was pushing back on people that was, you know, to him on the front row. Like, ah, surely. But sermonettes make Christianettes, he said. Well, when, when you, if you come from a, a set standard of a devotional type message, that's fine, that's good, it's, it's all right, but you're not going to grow up because you can't, you lose attention. You know, they've got the commercials on TV timed because of the American mindset and how long we're able to, what do you call that, attention span. And so they program that and so we can, so that we'll be able to watch a commercial and then get back to the show. Well, uh, when you come to this church or churches like this, we go a little longer than 20 minutes. Now, you can go an hour and a half and say nothing. It's not length that makes it powerful. You can, go, you can use 25 minutes and you can be so powerful it just fills you up. So we're not even saying that short or long is the measuring, but you got to have something to say that people want to hear. It's not a ritual. It's not a duty just to go to church and say, present, Lord, because he doesn't care. What he cares about is that we grow up. So you'd go to church and be there and tell God I was present, but be asleep. If not with your eyes closed, just glazed over. Do you all know those people? Let me just tell you all a little secret. From this pulpit, you can see, I can count your eyelashes. You think, ah, he can't see me. I'm just winking long. You know, my father-in-law always said all those years, he said, Rita would, would elbow him in the ribs and he'd say, oh, I'm not sleeping, I'm praying. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) 
So the Lord is leading each one of us to a specific place at a specific time to be with specific people. Because that's one way we grow up is we interact with people. People are everything in the kingdom. I said money is just there in order to facilitate people. God doesn't care about money. Your health is to be able to go and minister to people. Uh, Freely I have given, he said. Freely you go give. But in Ephesians chapter 4, it says in verse 11, you know this verse, but we're going to give it some squeeze here. He says he gave some. So he's talking about what the Lord Jesus gave to the church. What did he give? Lord Jesus, what did you give? He gave apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. We call that the fivefold ministry. Why did you give these people? Well, to run the church and to, and to make sure that everybody, you know, does right and has Sunday school. Well, that's probably part of the process. But he says here, he gave these preachers and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. So, oh, the pastor's not the one that does all the ministry? Well, I know there's a comma there in that after saints, but you know in the original Greek there are no commas or periods or chapter headings or anything. Are you all with me this morning? Praise God. So why are pastors given? Well, they're given to go to the hospital and visit, and they're go to, to marry my baby and to uh, bury my father and all that. Well, that may be in there, but that's not what they're given for. He says, I, I gave you these people for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. So who's supposed to do the ministry? The saints. How will they do it? They'll get perfected. And when they get perfected, then even though they go to work at the steel mill and they go to work at the paper factory or wherever, they're ministering. Because me as the preacher, I don't see people at the paper mill. At the paper mill, they, I may see them if they come home, but I don't see people at the, at the university. So we're all ministers. Some of us have grown into that more than others. And when you first start out, you got a lot of growing to do. But some people stop growing, and it's wrong. The uh, New Living Translation says their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work. Let me read that one again. Their responsibility, the fivefold ministry, is to equip God's people to do His work. Y'all say amen, so I can move on. Praise God. The, the uh, English version says He did this to prepare all God's people for the work of Christian service. Wow. I thought it was the preacher was supposed to do everything. That's what we pay him for. Y'all don't have enough money, I can already tell you for that. <laughs> the passion. You knew I was going to get to the passion. It says their calling, the pastor and the teacher and all those, prophet and apostle, their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. And that's quite an approach that's different than what we see in practice in churches. And I can tell you, I've heard it. I was raised Baptist, so I've heard it a gazillion times. Uh, people that were disgruntled because mama was in the hospital and the pastor didn't get there till the next day or whatever. And, uh, and I heard it this, that's what we pay him for. But that's not what the word says. Ah, we're all in the ministry. I said, we're all in the ministry. Yes, amen. So now we're going back to Entering and departing. 
something that happens to all of us every single day, multiple times of day, and how we enter and how we depart anything measures your life. But maybe we don't want to leave where we are. Have you all ever been to a good place? Uh, we always talk about the uh, children of Israel in the wilderness, how they didn't move every day. Sometimes they would stop and park for a while. Well, that'd give you time to uh, put up a clothesline and a little white picket fence and, and put some daffodils on this side and some tulips on that side and, and get everything just like you wanted. And then the column of fire, the Holy Ghost back then, would, would whatever it did, it flare up and it would start moving. And everybody knew we go where it goes. But we just got that picket fence put in and the clothesline was on sale and we don't want to leave it. And so we have a lot of people that don't want to leave where they are. Now, if you're real honest, and I would be honest, we all resist change. And once we get comfortable, once we find out how good it is here, how God supplied even the supernatural to be here, to be whatever place you're at, and how the blessings of it, and how your soul gets familiar with that particular station in life, wherever you are, just married, just had your kids, just sent your kids to college, or you know, they, they're bringing back grand sugars, you know, all those different stages of life. We get real comfortable with that, and we resist change. Okay, thank you, Joy. I appreciate that. An honest man here. So uh, a lot of Christians, they get the call of, they have the unction inside, this part down here, the belly, the part where God is. They get the call in there, they have the unction in there, but up here in their emotions, they resist. They get double-minded. They, you know, uh, when we came to Alabama, we spent a full year confirming. This is a major move for us. We had a, a going church and all our family, and we were comfortable. We had, I'd already painted the picket fence twice. And so it was no time to leave, but we waited a year and let God confirm it and affirm it. And we just stood back and said, God, if you want this, we're good with it, sort of. But you're going to have to make it clear. Otherwise, it's good right here. Y'all ever been anywhere where it was good right here? And uh, that's called entering. So the familiarity of where we are makes us hesitant to grow up and go to the next level. Uh, we had a, when I first got the Holy Ghost in 1980, we, that was on January 1st, by the third week of the month, we had started a Bible study in our home. Not because I knew anything, not because we had information, but just because we were wild-eyed and, and, uh, and full of God and wanted somebody to come around so we could talk about it. We'd go over people's houses and stay till midnight and their kids, you know, would have to go to school the next day. We didn't care. We were just filled with God. So we did that for a long time. I had a Bible study every Thursday night. And if we were going to be out of town, we gave the key to somebody and said, y'all come in here and whoever wants to, okay, you teach. And they would teach and they, ah, it was a marvelous time. And so we entered into that Bible study by faith because I told y'all, it was on Thursday night, I would, I would come in from the farm, I was a farmer, and I'd spend all day long, I'm talking about eight hours, trying to find something to teach. 
in 15 or 20 minutes because I had nothing in me. You understand? I had nothing in me that could come out. And if you don't have it in, it's not coming out. If you want something to come out, you got to put it in. So uh, I had nothing in me. I had no overflow. I didn't even have, we couldn't even get the bottom of the tank wet with what I knew. So I had to come in eight hours and just study and go over it and understand things that I did not understand and work on it and work on it. And then kind of like grandma's Thanksgiving dinner that took two days to cook, but it's gone in 30 minutes. That's kind of how it was. I'd study eight hours and I'd bloop it out in 30 minutes. Bloop. And all of a sudden, I've told y'all, they at that moment knew everything I knew. There was nothing that I knew that they didn't know because I had, I had divested myself of everything. So we did that by faith. We just didn't have a, uh, a pedigree or a qualification, just had a desire. And then we got a word from the Lord after we'd been here almost two years doing this Bible study. He said, shut down the Bible study. Well, nobody, I remember Granny Hicksie said, God never shuts down a Bible study. I remember her saying that, God never, and we're not shutting this one down. Well, it was in my house, and I was the teacher. So we resisted for a few days, and finally we said, you know, we don't want to miss God. How many of y'all know we don't want to miss God? You know, we, we may get our way, and we may, we may pout and carry on about change, but we don't, want to, we don't want to miss God more. And the not wanting to miss God more causes us to step out. Y- y'all saw that Indiana Jones movie forever ago where the bridge is, is there, and, but you can't see it. He's got to get to the other side. And so he, uh, he steps out and steps down. And Now, this is all hokey pokey. Now, y'all, I'm not preaching weird stuff, but but the point is, the bridge just then formed that had always been there, but was invisible. That's exactly how faith is. You don't get to see anything, and you don't get to get to the other side and look back and say, I'm going to leave that. You have to start, you have to enter a new place. To enter a new place, you have to depart the previous place. We would all like to hold on to the hook of the new place and hold on to the hook of the old place And if the new place didn't pan out, didn't work out, we'd always let go and go back to the old place. But the Lord, the kingdom doesn't work that way. You have to depart to enter in. This is real good preaching. I'm going to just keep going. Hallelujah. So all of life, all of life is composed of entering and departing. We enter life through the birth. What do we do after that? We leave childhood, uh, uh, excuse me, we leave life through, except for us, everybody else is going to leave by death, but we're leaving by the rapture. Y'all going with me? <laughs> we're going up. Hallelujah, not down. So we, enter, we, in, uh, uh, we depart the womb, and we enter infancy, and then we leave infancy at some point and enter adolescence. We call them teenagers. We shall pray for you. Hallelujah. Then we depart uh, what I call self-love. It's all about me. It's all about idolatry, self-idolatry. Do you all know that's what teenagers do? On their own, I mean, not because they want to, but they enter that. And suddenly, hopefully, they enter into, they enter in, they leave 
that self-idolatry, it's all about me, my whole, the whole world is orbiting around me, and they enter into Jesus as Lord, they get born again. And so they have to leave that self-idolatry and enter into the Lordship of Jesus. Do you all know some Christians have a hard time with that? Because the Bible says we're bought with a price, we are not our own. And so it's, it's hard to, to not have both a foot in both of them. And so eventually, we leave a lifestyle of living with our folks, a parental dependency, and we get married. Not everybody, but we're talking about a big host of people. And we enter marriage where the Bible says in Genesis, leave and cleave. So we're leaving and then we're entering in. And the problem with that is when you have a mama's boy that wants to enter in without leaving mama and wants to tell his new bride, can mama come too? (laughs) Well, mama didn't cook it this way. And mama puts her cans up on the shelf like this. And mama has these kind of forks and these. If you don't leave, it's going to be hard to cleave. Y'all know what I'm talking about. We're talking about entering, uh, leaving and entering. So uh, uh, then, then certainly we depart the earth and we enter into either heaven or hell. Everything is entering and leaving, entering and leaving. It's essential that we know what's going on. Uh, what you do in life is not so much important. I've made lots of mistakes. Have y'all made a few mistakes where you wanted to jerk you back, you wanted to come back and redo that? Well, a lot of times you have to. And it takes time, and when you're young, it doesn't matter, and it takes money, and when you're young, it doesn't matter. But when you're maturing as you grow up, you don't want to do jerky backs. You don't want to, ha- you want, don't want to do over. You want to get it right the first time. And I'm, I'm in that stage. I'm in that, uh, that age that I don't want, I don't have the whatever. I'm not cavalier like I used to. Let's, ah, let's just shoot it out there, and if it doesn't work, we'll do it over. I've been there most of my life, for a lot of my life, and it costs me a lot, and I should be further down the road, and I should be doing better, but you gotta, you got to have a do-over. And so how we leave any particular part of our life determines how we enter into the next part. And if you don't leave right, you can't enter right. So we work on how we leave something as much as we do. But this is a way of life. Everything's a way of life. And you go, well, that's just a natural thing. What's the big deal? Well, I know it's common. I know everybody knows it's common, but they don't know how essential it is. Here, we, we, a giving has become common to us. We just all found the word that God so loved the world that he gave. What did he give? How much did he give? His only begotten son measured how much he was giving. He so loved the world, he gave his son. So now we can take that and say, I so love anything, any somebody, by the, how do you measure that? By what I'm willing to give. If you say you love and you don't give, you, you're not, it's not true. Right? Yay. So here's the problem or the challenge is that all entering and leaving requires transition and change. Otherwise, you're not leaving. If, if it doesn't require change, then you're, you didn't leave. You stayed there, and you're still there. But if you leave something, you had to change. You had to transition. If you're going to have a promotion, 
you have to change because if you could have promotion where you were, it would have already come. So you have to reposition. You have to get to another place. You have to grow up, as it were, to qualify for a higher level or a different level of life. You have to grow up. We, we don't let our five-year-olds have shotguns and show them how to put shells in it. We don't do that. Why? Well, I'd let my 25-year-old do that. Well, somebody grew up, hopefully. Amen. And it's the same thing with us. Uh, a lot of things we can't handle just don't come into our life because we don't, like uh, Melissa said, what things soever we desire, when we pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. That desire never comes into us because we're, 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 we're young, we're immature, we're, we're not grown up, so our desire list is on the not grown up list. Don't you want different things for your birthday and Christmas than you did 40 years ago, 30 years ago, whatever? Well, sure. Well, what's the difference? Well, I got that stuff. Well, more than that, it's, you, it wore out. You need another one, but you don't even want another one. I had a great life in, on motorcycles, but I, I wouldn't, I, I, no, no motorcycle. I'm not afraid of them. I can dominate them. And uh, isn't it amazing? Someone at my stature could actually straddle one. You know they make those things. They're called lowriders. Hallelujah. <laughs> so um, transition and change is stressful. Transition and change, growing up, has stress built into it. Would you all agree that living a life is like, oh, you have a terrible life. You've got stress. No, I just have a life and there's stress. Why is there? Because at every point and juncture of my life, I'm leaving one part of my life to enter in I'm departing this to enter into that. And so I have to grow up. I have to be able to accommodate that new level before I get there. I can't, of course, we all seen people that do it that don't grow up and enter into a commitment such as marriage or something like a business or something that does not, did not transition. They just entered in without departing the old and it's a wreck. Y'all seen those wrecks? You've been in one of those wrecks? Sure we have. We've all been in a wreck like that. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 19, uh, 19, if you would. So transition and change, promotion, has stress built into it. Well, we all want to go to the beach and go to the mountains so we can get rid of stress. But you don't get rid of stress. You just change the focus for a few days so you can assimilate and deal with it so things can catch up in you you, you don't deal with stress when you go to the mountains because guess what's on your desk when you get back? All that week you were gone, plus this week. Y'all don't have one of them jobs where they come in and do it for you while you're gone. No, nobody does. So even going to the beach is stressful because you know it's waiting on you. Oh, it's waiting. Here's stress. Let's see, Matthew 19. Where am I? Now, we're in a teaching mode this morning. We're just going to teach. I'm not going to holler at anybody and carry on. We're just going to get some things in us that will help us. Uh, verse 21. There we go. Well, let's back up. Let's back up. Uh, verse 16. Behold, one came and said to him, Good master, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? This is called the rich young ruler story. And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. But if thou wilt enter into this life, enter into life, if thou wilt enter into life, in other words, the, the, the rich young ruler was wanting to transition, but he didn't know the turn to make. He didn't know how to grow up into that realm. Y'all see that? 
So we came to the master and said, how do I grow up? I need to be instructed. And Jesus said, ah, pay no attention to that. But the man persisted. And so he said, uh, uh, what did he say? If, but if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. And so the rich young ruler, the young man, he qualified him. He said, which? Jesus said, thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear fault with witness. Honor thy father and mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. What, what are those called? That's the Ten Commandments, isn't it? That, that's the law of the old co covenant. The young man saith unto him, all these things... So I've grown up to this level. All these things have I kept from my youth. What lack I yet? So we ask him, is there a key to grow up? Because I have mastered this level. Y'all know we've all mastered a certain level in our life. You may have mastered a job. You may have mastered your marriage. But maybe your marriage is not hot and spicy and, and zoomy zoomy, but it used to be or whatever. I don't want to get out here too far, but I'm just saying... Uh, Everybody's, everybody's wanting something new to happen in their job, in their children. In their, everybody does. Everybody craves change, craves transition, craves promotion, but they don't like the process to get there. They want it just to happen. Well, if it was going to happen uh, without increase, without change and transition, it would have already done it. So our reluctance, our reticence about changing has kept us pigeonholed or rutted in a particular place. And we're going, life is dull. There's nothing going on. Well, there's, there's got to be risk. There's got to be where you, like Indiana, where you step out where you don't see, and suddenly it's there. It holds you up, and you can walk across the bridge. I, I don't like to use stuff like that, but that's the only one I got right now. Hallelujah. So uh, he said, uh, let's go on here. Where am I? Uh, verse 21. So Jesus said unto him, because he, he said, what thing does I lack? What is the one thing I need? He said, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor. He didn't say sell it all, did he? He didn't say, he just said sell what thou hast. How much? Give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Well, the Bible says if you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord and he shall repay. So he wasn't saying get rid of your stuff. He was saying there's another path for you to have promotion and use the kingdom. If you lend, if you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord and he shall repay. Jesus was being good here, not mean. He said give. You, 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 you've got a stilted, a regimented, a lawful life. Give. And when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful. Why? Because he couldn't change. He had great possessions. He said, I'm not giving up my stuff. I'm not going to have the stress of, of going without some stuff and having all this security blanket and the rainy day fund and my retirement and my 401k and all that. I'm not, I'm not entering into that. And he went away sorrowful. And so is everybody that cannot change, cannot grow up, cannot enter into the new thing. It's stressful. But it pays so well. And how many of y'all know not changing... It's stressful because <laughs> you like, oh, I'm supposed to be making a turn here and I didn't do it. And so my life is starting to cave in what the Lord had planned for me to and put in my life to get me saved and out of this situation. I wouldn't do it. And now the cloud has moved. The pillar of fire has moved. And all I have is a picket fence. 
I mean, what looks so good when everybody's around, it's kind of plain when the whole three million of them have moved on to the land of promise. It's just highly overrated to have a picket fence and a clothesline. Yay. Y'all know that. So um, when we grow up, have you ever had a, a child that uh, they would cry because their legs hurt? Oh, we did. Colin's legs hurt. And what is that? That's your bones growing. And it hurts like old Billy, they say. I don't know. But, you know, just cry, cry, cry. And go to the doctor or call the doctor, and he said, oh, that's nothing. His legs are just growing. Sure enough, he'd quit, and he got taller. You know, we had a rule at our house. If you weren't taller than me, you couldn't leave home. So everybody grew. <laughs> everybody was growing fast. They were taking vitamins. So um, if you're fired from work or you resign from a job, what do you do? What do you just throw a fit and blame God? We were with some people this week that were blaming God. I asked God to do that and do something, and this is what I got. That was the words we heard. I asked God to do something, and this is what I got. Well, that person's not transitioning very good. Blaming God's going to be on the low road of increase. It's never going to play well for you. So if, if you, uh, you're closed out of a business, if you have a business and you're either forced out because they built two Walmarts on either side of you or something, and, or you, you just say, I, I, gotta, I can't make this work anymore. It creates stress. But there's always an answer. There's always a leaving in order to enter. Nothing is final in itself. You just got to find out where God's opened the door. Because he has always opened the door because the kingdom principle is entering and departing. So if, there, if you entered into something and the season for that is over, then there's always a way to depart in increase, in promotion with more. Y'all see this? It's always there, but if you just throw down your hands and say, ah, God's abandoned me, this thing. Well, sure, everything has a life cycle. Everything has a, a term on it. There's nothing that can last forever except the Word of God. And so if you think that a pain you're going through or a sickness you're going through or a financial thing is going to be inevitable forever, you're wrong. But you're stuck like the rich young ruler. You, he didn't want to give it. He didn't want to do it. And so he was stuck. He went away sorrowful. I don't want, I don't like sorrow. I've had a dab of it. I don't want any more. But there is a certain amount of stress that's different than sorrow for moving through life at, a, at an incremental uh, uh, what do you call that? Going up. You don't go up this way so much, but yeah, exponential. You're going up and it's steady. If you'll enter and leave, enter and depart according to the, the, the cycle of the Lord for your life, you'll, you'll never have a bad day. There'll be stress all around you, but you won't be stressed. So these legs that hurt, quit hurting because he grew. Um, Yay. We, we live in a society of divorce right now. And if you don't handle divorce right, you might not ever recover. Oh, you'll live, you'll breathe, you'll, you'll eat, you'll sleep, you'll do that. But you will have traded in a life that was good, that had expectations, that was bountiful, and through some mistake on somebody's part of not adjusting according to the flow and the and the course of the season that you're in, you'll be miserable. could be the rest of your life. I knew somebody 
that was so mad at their ex for 40 years. Yeah, she just seized with it. So much, well, I can't even tell you that. But it was, it was just, it controlled her whole life. Y'all know those people? Well, you gotta, you gotta leave that. So in order to leave that, depart that, you gotta, you gotta get it right at that. There's forgiveness involved. There's taking responsibility. There's godly sorrow for our own sin. There is no, there is no forgiveness of sin without godly sorrow. We, we have to, we have to be sorry in our, not, not sorry, no good, but we have to, we have to have sorrow over our sin. If you want to get loose of sin that's dogged you for years, you got to have godly sorrow. You got to get down and cry it out and say, God, the blood of Jesus. And now I'm, I'm clean as if I'd never sinned. So crisis is normal to life. Let's say it together. Crisis is normal to life. Again, crisis is normal to life. Now with conviction, crisis is normal to life. You think you're having a bad life because you've got crisis? No, you've just got life. Because crisis is in every life. Crisis is what breaks you out of where you are with an expectation that everything that happened in me is going up. And I'll just tell you, that's how it is for me. I like change. I like transition because I'm in faith. When you're in faith and transition and change comes, I'm always glad because that means I'm going up. You get a letter from the IRS? You don't sit there and wail and cry. You say, praise God, a refund. <laughs> this is going to be good. And then you open it up. You just can't have a bad day. You just have a, a crisis is not a bad day. A crisis is simply transition from one level, degree, or place into another level. It's called leaving or departing and entering. So you, you can't be fearful about an IRS letter or about somebody handing out pink slips. You, they handing out pink slips all around you. It doesn't matter to you. <laughs> give me one or don't give me one. Everything is working out to my increase. Everything is working together for good to them that love God and are called to his per according to his purpose. Turn with me to Deuteronomy, would you? Deuteronomy, that's where the pages are sticky back there on the, on the west side of the Bible. Deuteronomy, let's go to chapter 6. So crisis is normal to life, and it comes when you transition from one level to another. Now you think, well, if I don't ever change or transition, then I won't have crisis. That's not true, because if you stay at the wrong place long, you're going to have crisis, but there will be sorrow in it. We talked about, the, you know, not leaving because you didn't want to leave your picket fence. You don't want to go into the wilderness with the cloud of fire and the cloud by, of smoke. And so you stay there and you don't have God. And boy, you talk about a pitiful place to be is when you don't feel like God's with you. I mean, he is with you, but I mean that he's not approving of what you're doing. And so God's pattern is to transact. Say it with me. Transact. He's not lost. He hadn't forgot you. He's not uh, numb to you. He's not busy in China with the, with the uh, what's that disease, the Osceola Corona. That's it. He's, you go, well, he's real busy right now. We, I just get a busy signal. No, that's God. He's got you. You are his favorite. He's got you on speed dial. 
He's checking in. Holy Spirit is checking in. And so God is looking to the finish, not the present. God is looking to the finish, not the present. God has grown up and he wants us to grow up. So he's not looking at he's looking at the finish, not the present. Everything has a, a, a time date on it. Nothing can last forever. Well, it feels like forever. Well, that just means you're going to stretch out and grow into a new place if you'll stay in faith. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, don't you just love Deuteronomy and Leviticus and Numbers? Isn't it just great to go over there and just spend your afternoon? Oh, how hallelujah. Verse 17. Now, here's the principle in the kingdom, in the Bible. Ye shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes, which he hath commanded thee. And thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord. Why? That it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest go in and possess the good land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers. Let's read that one again. Thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord. Why? That it may be well with thee, and that thou may possess, that thou may break out and go to another level. Possess the land uh, that the Lord swear to you. It's a better place, but you're going to have to stay with God. To cast out all thine enemies before thee, as the Lord hath spoken. And when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments, which of the Lord our God hath commanded you? Then thou shalt say, now here it is, this is where it gets good. Thou shalt say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, and the, look, look, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and sore. Sounds like transition. Sounds like a lot of crisis going on upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh and upon all his households before our eyes. Verse 23. And he brought us out from thence. Why? Let's read it together. That he might bring us in. He brought us out that he might bring us in. Do y'all remember the story of the wilderness where some of them were, they were thirsty or they were hungry and they started murmuring against uh, God, but Moses was standing there, so they, they laid it on him. And they said, we should have stayed in Egypt where the, the meat pots were full. Now, how many of y'all know that wasn't exactly true? <laughs> they said, we should go back. Why are we out here? See, they didn't like the transition. They didn't like the crisis that it was required to go from bondmen in Egypt to being free in the land of promise. The wilderness was the transition. It was the crisis. And they say, how, how far was it from one to the other? About 11, 12, 14 days? Not, you, you can get there faster on Amtrak, but if you miss the train, you've got to walk 12 or 13 days. But it took them how long? 40 years. Now, see, that's a, that's a do-over that you don't want. You want to get that right the first time. And I'm telling you, my life, I look back on it and I say, man, I did a lot of do-overs that I missed it the first time. Or I rebelled or, or griped or complained or murmured about the stress or the, the crisis that I was in. And I drew back and said, I'm not going in there. I'm not doing that. This isn't that bad. This this will work out. This this can play right. We'll just need to uh, do this and do that, and it'll play. And it never did, because the way out, the way out, the way in, excuse me, is first coming out.
Well, I don't like that change. Well, you can't go in then. How many of y'all want to go in? We want to go in. Well, what's in mean? It's good. Whatever that would mean to you. You know, the Lord giving me a child care, I've told y'all, would not be the way in. Give it to Lisa. <laughs> the good speed says he brought us out from there that he might bring us into a position to give us the land of promise. He brought us out from there. Why? That he might bring us into a position to give us. Now, are y'all seeing this? We got to stay steady. We can't lose it when we're in transition. If they're, oh, there's a rumor they're going to lay off people at the plant. It won't affect me except for good. If they lay me off, there's another something that's better and, and I'm going up. And crisis does not bother me. Well, what if the plant strikes and you're 12 weeks? The ravens fed the children of Israel. Manna fell, fell every day. And this is the old book. How much more? How much more is the new covenant going to take care of us? Well, I don't know. I, I'd be afraid to try that. Well, just stay in your little kindergarten pen. Just stay with blocks and Crayolas and, and uh, fluffy toys. But if you want to master this, you're going to have to be ready to ride a little bit. And once you get used to the crisis, which is normal life, he's like, this ain't so bad. At one time in my life, I thought the tithe was an exorbitant, unfair, bodacious amount of money. And it was. Y'all know about that. Everybody in here has been through that. But it's no big deal now. It's not even a crisis now. Because I've mastered that level. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I've mastered that level, and there's no crisis attached to it anymore. Now, when the Lord says offerings, whew, <laughs> we swallow hard and say, yes, sir. But he stretches us. He stretches us, and it seems like a crisis. But it's a breaking you out of where you are and taking you up to where he wants you to be. Because the land of promise is on the other side of wherever you are. And when you get used to that new land of promise, he'll break you out and take you into a new land of promise, and it'll be wonderful. It'll be wonderful. So departing is essential to entering everything. Say, I must leave. You've got to leave something. Now you go, what is it? Holy Ghost is telling you. We are filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. We are growing up to all things which are in Christ. We are not ignorant of his... Well, that's, we're not ignorant of the devil's devices. We know when it's the devil. We know when it's God breaking us out and going to the next level. So God always brings us out. Why? In order to bring us in. All transition is good if you're in faith. Now, if you're not in faith, you better lock the door and... And hang on. Uh, so if you're unwilling to depart, if I'm unwilling, every time I've been unwilling to depart, at least for a season, I couldn't enter in. I remember the Lord telling me, uh, this is your final year of farming, when I was a farmer. I said, Lord, I'm just getting good at this. I just now got the Holy Ghost to tell me when to plant, what to plant, and 
when to contract my cotton and peanuts and stuff. I'm getting good at this. This is no time to quit. I've been a dummy for all these nine or ten years, and I've lost all kinds of money, but now, last year I got a handle on it, and now we're going. And so I resisted him, and you know what I did? I put new rooms in my barn. Spent $1,000 on plywood building me an office and building me a parts drawer and, and everything. And that was my last. Nobody ever got to use it because I was gone. Y'all ever been there? Something like that? Yeah. Well, what can you do? Well, you just repent of it. You do repent of it. You don't just say, oh, well, we'll just try something else. You repent for not hearing and obeying Him. It's not arduous. It's not days long. It's not to a priest in a closet. It's just you get alone with God and say, I missed it and I know it. And I repent of it. And I plead the blood of Jesus over my life. I confess this sin out. And it goes into the sea of your forgetfulness. And I put on righteousness, which is the same as I never sinned. I got to quit. I got to quit. Well, no, I don't. Hallelujah. <laughs> We're not having church tonight. Let's go ahead and get this. Hallelujah. Uh, Abram, remember, he had to leave, however you say that word, Haran. To go to Canaan, he had to leave Haran. And you know his daddy was there, worshiping a moon god. And it was hard business to leave your daddy, back in those days especially. But he had to in order to get transition and increase in his life. There's a crisis involved between when you say yes to God and before the curtain pulls back and it's wonderful and it's a land flowing with milk and honey, there's crisis in between. The Philistines are after you, the water uh, has run out, and, and Moses says he's going to hit a rock and fix that, and Moses says there's going to be food that'll land on the, the ground outside every day. Moses said, Moses said, Moses said. But until that happened, there was crisis. I've been in crisis. Have you? Yes. Uh, I was thinking about Joshua and Caleb. Do you all know who they are? They're, there was 12 spies, and they all went in. Moses told them, you boys go in there. And he never sent them in there to see if they could, but just went in there to get a strategy. Are we going to have to take battering rams in there for big cities? Are we, what are we going to have to do? Y'all go in there and give us a recon and, and uh, intel, and we'll, we'll know what to do. Well, instead, you know the story. Ten of them came out and said, we can't do it, and even said, we are as grasshoppers in their sight. So they made themselves real little, made God real little, and made the Philistines real big. But two of the guys, Caleb and Joshua, came back and said, no, no, no. Yeah, there's some big boys over there, and yeah, there's some, some walls over there, but we can do it. Now, I want to tell you all, they, they departed that unbelief, and they entered in. And you know who the only two families that did not die in the wilderness over 21? Joshua and Caleb. They entered into the new land, the promised land, by departing out of, we are just slaves and we can't do anything. Man, I want to be a Joshua. Y'all want to be a Caleb and a Joshua where nothing bothers you. You go, ah, oh, this is crisis. We're going to have to go in there and and cut up some Philistines and, and Hittites and Amorites and, and Binites and whatever's over there. They're going to have to work on them. I'm going to read this to you. Don't turn there, but I'll, I'll read Matthew chapter 4 to you, and then we'll quit. 
because I got so much here to talk about. I'm just so excited about us getting unstuck. Getting unstuck. You go, why are you teaching this? Because a lot of people are stuck. And they don't know how to get out. They don't know there's a door over there saying, open the door. It's there. God put the door there. Oh, I'm just in here and I can't find my way. Oh, yeah. But look, Matthew, don't look, but Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 says this. Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting in a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. They had to leave in order to enter in. And it's no different today, and it's no different for you and me. You will have to leave. You'll have to quit being a fisherman, so to speak, and be or do or have whatever he's put in your life. And you know we all fit together. Everybody, everybody does their part. We're not copying each other. We're not finding someone that's successful and saying, well, I'll do what he's doing. Well, the, gosh, who needs, who needs ten big toes, left foot big toes? Who needs that on their, on their body? Yeah, that's kind of scary, isn't it? Nope, there's two little toes and there's two whatever other kind of toes there are. We all fit, but we've got to find our place. Are you all ready to find your place? It's going to require change. Change always requires crisis. Crisis, if it's not dealt with right, has sorrow in it. We have to cry, oh God, I can't do this. Why are you asking me? Give to the poor and... Take up the cross and follow me. And the man went away sorrowful. Ah, I'm through with sorrow. Whatever he's got, I'm already on it. I've got my little ticket in there saying, pick me, pick me. Pick me, Lord. I want to go up. I want to go on. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we see it. Maybe through a glass darkly, but we see it. That right now, the thing in our life, everyone that's in here, everyone that's on broadcast... We have something that we're involved in that we've been there too long. We've been there too long and been, we've been waiting for something to enter into without having to depart. And you just never work that way. Faith says, I'm going to step over and whatever happens, it'll be good but I'm leaving the old. Lord, right now we pull our feet out of this mucky mud that we've been stuck in, and we set our feet, like you said, in you set the, you set the hinds in high places, and we settle it right now. I settle it right now that there is a call, there is an unction, there is a desire to get out of wherever I am right now. There's a desire there, and I know that's from you, Lord. Every good and perfect thing comes down from you. And so, Lord, I'm going to start taking some steps. Are you all praying with me? We're going to take some steps to get out of this. What are the steps? The steps are to depart, to get ready to leave this place so that I can fully and confidently enter the new place. There might be a little drama in between. There might be a few things that we, don't, we, we didn't plan for or that we didn't see, but it won't matter. Everything is turning out amazing. Ah, oh, the road is paved, Lord. And so, Lord, I thank you right now for increase at River Church because we refuse to stay where we are. 
We refuse to be comfortable, mundane, and ordinary. We say we will move from this place, which we were so glad to get to from the lower place. So glad to be right here when it was that day we wished for this place and finally broke out of something little to get to this place. But now, Lord, this place is little. It's just too little. We we can't stay here. What have you got, Lord? Oh, you've already told us. You've already mentioned that. You just didn't tell us how. You just didn't tell us that uh, every step of the way. You want us to step out by faith without knowing all the particulars, without knowing every step and not knowing whether there's going to be a little drama and crisis. You want us just to step out and say, in the name of Jesus, I'm leaving this place and I'm going up higher. So, Lord, we just decide to right now. All over the house, if you decide to right now, like I'm praying, under your breath, not out loud, but but not thinking, say it with your mouth, utter words that says, I'm going up higher. I'm going to the next step. I'm leaving this small place. I'm leaving this place that was deliverance, but now it's holding me back. I've been chained to this thing, but now it's time to get unchained and go to the next place. And time is important. The season of the Lord is here to move up higher. Move up higher in your giving. Move up higher in your devotion. Move up higher with people that you've just written off and said, no more are you, Jack. No, Lord, we're going to go back, and we may never be friends with them long term, but we're going to forgive them, and we're going to ask them to forgive us. And that way we're free. We're free to be everything and do everything and have everything you called us to do and be and have. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hoo-hoo. Now there's promotion in this house. There's promotion because we said yes to Jesus. We also said yes to crisis. There's going to be some drama. Well, how's it going to work out? I don't know. I just know it will work out. Well, will there be trouble? Oh, yeah. Because you need to be a trouble solver, a problem solver. And you cannot be a problem solver until you enter into the problem, the challenge. And you go in there and you wrestle the alligator. Then you're not afraid of alligators anymore. That's how we grow up. In Jesus' name, praise God. There's someone in this room or on broadcast that's got an infection under their kneecap. Now, I've never, I've never heard of that before. An infection under your kneecap. Is that possible, Shanita? Okay, well, it's possible then. So in the name of Jesus, if that's you, Just receive your healing right now. The Lord God is healing that infection, delivering you from that infection in your kneecap, and you're fine. So just claim it and say, I'm fine in Jesus' name, and uh, walk on that thing, run with it. Go eight miles and say, I want one one or two more. (laughs) I love Melissa. She entertains me all the time. Her regular life is a life dreamed of on my side. Hallelujah. (laughs) I walked a mile the other day and I went, yes, I walked a mile. Yes. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's see if there's anything else the Lord wants to take care of while we're here. Uh, Yeah, I know what it is. Uh, Somebody or maybe some bodies has a tremendous memory challenge. Now, I know we don't know sometimes where we put our keys and me, my phone is on. I'm always on a search for my phone, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a memory. Uh, 
Well, you know, they have that, that commercial that says, you got bad memory? I always say, I don't remember. <laughs> Just to Deborah Ann, not to y'all, you know. But uh, someone's got a memory issue. Something's blocked off, something's hemorrhaged, something's, something has affected the memory part of your being. And if that's you, just lift up your hand and say, I want to be healed. Because the Lord Jesus is taking care of that right now. And I speak a supernatural move of God into your body. And I release whatever's blocking that memory in the cells and the neurons and the, whatever's in there. I speak life to it in Jesus' name. And I say, be healed and be made whole in Jesus' name. So rejoice. Just rejoice and say, I, I got this now. I know where my keys are. I know where my phone is. I got this because it's happened right now in Jesus' name. So thank you for joining us at River Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Amen.